Welcome to the Finance and Investments Student Association's FISA Fireside Chats with Matthew and Oliver. All right, all right. Welcome back to the FISA Fireside Chat. We're super happy today to have an amazing guest, Quinn Joseph uh, Willett, a financial analyst at Manulife with us today. Welcome to the podcast, Quinn. Thanks. Very happy to be here, guys. So why don't we get started with the classic question? We'd love to hear a bit more about your background uh, and your your time at Concordia and how you landed uh, maybe your first job just to start it off. Yeah, well, I, weirdly enough, I don't know exactly what my technical job title would be. Um, it could be analyst. It could it could be associate. I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, so I, I started with uh, Manny Life Securities just kind of purely as a research equity guy uh, back in 2018. I, I was doing it part-time uh, with a portfolio manager uh, three days a week while I was still in school. Um, and then when I graduated uh, just over a couple of years ago in 2020, that's when I went full-time, still doing equity research stuff uh, for, my, for my boss, the portfolio manager, Rob, but then kind of taking on you know, other roles like helping clients, uh, doing meetings, uh, you know, all this other stuff. Um, and it's been, you know, it's, it's been, it's been great. It's, it's the type of job that's, you know, every single day is different because you have, you know, who knows how many clients, um, and they all have different needs and, and, and concerns and questions and et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of been the last two years, just trying to get my, uh, you know, Get, get my feet wet and just the kind of, you know, wealth management role for all these different families across, uh, across mainly Montreal, but across Canada in general. Perfect. Now, if we, if we rewind a little bit, how about we go back to your time at Concordia? Could you, could you talk a little bit about your, the four years that you spent at Concordia, maybe things that you did outside the classroom or, and things that you did to get ready for uh, your eventual position at Manulife? Yeah. So, well, like we were discussing uh, before, um, so I got to Montreal. Me starting at Concordia and JMSB was, you know, the same time I moved to Montreal for, uh, from the U.S. Actually, um, my my all my families were uh, from here, but I, I was born and raised in the U.S. So I got here, and uh, I didn't know much. I did frosh. Um, and that's, I think that's how I learned that CASA was even a thing because obviously they, they hosted it. Um, and then somewhere along the way, I, like I mentioned, I, I found out about thesis, uh, like finance 101 seminar. That's, that's what it's called, right? Yeah. yeah. And then eventually learned just what FISA was because in, especially in my high school or, or mainly in a, um, American universities, at least from what I saw as like a teenager, things like CASA or FISA aren't super prevalent. I, I think the frats are much bigger down there. Um, and I don't think JMSB has a super prominent frat, or at least I, I can't name one. It, it kind of, CASA was the, the thing to do. So I, um, I eventually applied for being the first year rep and uh, that, that was for the 2016, 2017 year. And I got that. That was a lot of fun. Um, and then throughout the rest of my uni life, I think I was just trying to focus on getting better grades uh, or getting 
you know, just good grades. Um, get trying to land some kind of job or internship, maybe doing some case comps. Um, so throughout the kind of course, uh, I was just trying to, you know, do some do some student involvement, do some case comps, do some charity work, and then somewhere along the way, going into my third year. Um, so this was the summer 2018. My friend mentioned that a portfolio manager at Manny Life Securities, my current boss, Rob, um, was, I think, I forget how it was kind of pitched to me, but he was essentially looking for a research guy because he's a guy, he's a discretionary PM who has, you know, dozens of stocks. And he was kind of doing all the, you know, all the, the news and, and everything by himself. So he needed an analyst. Uh, so I started doing that part-time for my kind of last half of uni. Um, and I've been doing it full-time the last, the last couple of years. Yeah, that's a, that's an awesome path. So just to go back, you said you're from the, the States. How was the transition coming to the Canada from, uh, and, and why Concordia? I'm curious. Um, cause I didn't get into McGill. Uh, that's a joke. Uh, I, I remember now I'm thinking back to when I was like 17, uh, a, a friend of mine from Jersey, um, um, who very, very smart at the time. And this was in high school, definitely had a better GPA than I did. And she applied to Des Hotel and, and she didn't get in. So then I was like, okay, if Carrie didn't get in, there's no way I'm getting into, into Days Hotel with whatever high school GPA I had at the time. So then she she actually mentioned uh, Concordia. She was like, it's this this other amazing school um, with a uh, a business school that I visited like last month, and I, and I fell in love with it. So then I said, okay, and then um, so that's kind of how I found out about. Um, about it. And then I visited Concordia, I think a couple months later, I absolutely fell in love. I, I was already uh, in love with Montreal because I, we'd come up here a few times a year to see family when I was a kid. Um, so I think that's, I kind of just got so hooked on the idea of JMSB specifically. I loved the school. I think they gave me a great tour. And then you get into the Facebook group and you see all these different student associations kind of posting, um, you know, all the events that you can get excited about. And uh, yeah, I think I just, even several months before moving to Montreal, I fell in love with JMSB specifically. Um, I, I still think it's a fantastic school in terms of the student life and just kind of the, the personality I think the school has. Um, so the transition wasn't too bad because like I said, I, I knew Montreal very, very well. It, it always growing up felt like a second home. And then I think getting into FISA is really what made the transition amazing because, you know, I got to a new city, kind of a new country. And then I had this opportunity to just hang out with people. I mean, you're on the fourth floor. You can hang out with people basically 24-7 if you want yeah, to. It's, it's if, always, if you want to if you want to avoid studying and, and you just wanna <laughs> if you just wanna make friends, um, especially as a first year who doesn't know anyone. Visa definitely gave me that. Um, so I, I, I have to be honest, it, it was as good of a kind of first year 
uh, stepping stone as I, as I could have asked for. Yeah. I mean, I, like, I, I didn't do it myself, but like seeing being in FISA last year and like seeing the process of, you know, taking in your first year rep, it's kind of getting like, like adopted into a big family. And, oh, big yeah. time. I, I, I went from knowing like really no one except for a few people that I met at Frosh to this entire, um, you know, this entire community. And it was great. Yeah. You know, you, you, you meet people that are both fun loving um, but the majority of them, you know, also took kind of, you know, studying seriously. They, they took, um, I don't know, they took internships seriously. So I think it was a good little community to be in uh, as an 18 year old, you know, brand yeah. new to brand new to the city, brand new to everything really. No, for sure. And you mentioned, I think you mentioned that you started working at Manulife while you were in school, right? Part-time. Yeah. So it was. I was actually doing another internship at a startup called bus.com. Uh, that's there. They're in the plateau. I, I think they're still there. Um, and I got that internship through CASA's. Um, you guys might know what this is. It happens in the springtime and it's basically this networking event. You can go Okay. for us. We were at the Molson brewery and you go and you sit at a table with some, someone from some company. Like I, I remember Molson was there. I think maybe Bell was there. And there are these companies that are looking for basically, I guess, summer interns. And CASA did this event where they had several different tables. Um, and I ended up sitting at the bus.com one. And I, uh, I, I got a summer internship through there. And then, um, so when I was doing that, my, my a friend of mine, um, who, was, who was also... Uh, she was on the fourth floor too. She mentioned that um, she mentioned to me that someone mentioned to her that uh, some portfolio manager needed, uh, like I said, needed a research analyst. Um, so my my friend Dorothy said, "You you know you should look into this." And my first thought was, uh, "There's I can't even think about another internship right now because the it was a pretty intense internship I was already doing at the time." So I was kind of offered a potential interview. Um, and admittedly, I, I kind of completely shut it down. I was like, no, I'm not, I, I'm not super interested in that. I don't, I don't think I, I want to do that. And then later in the summer, like I said, go, going into third year, I, I realized, Quinn, you're being an idiot. This is like a golden opportunity. You got to go take this. So um, sometime around that July, I think, I messaged Rob. And um, I said, hey, I was referred by, by this person. And um, I just, you know, I, I heard you could use, uh, you know, an, an equity, some help on the kind of equity research end. Um, if, if at the very, very least, you know, you ever want to chat, it, it would be a pleasure to, to talk to you. Um, and then I think I, I went in for kind of a meeting slash interview the next week. I, I was basically hired on the spot. So then that September, um, I was technically an intern. And then the following January, I was, I guess, like just a part-time dude doing still a, a ton of equity research stuff. But, you know, then you, you start doing admin and all that stuff and anything you can do to just be a va- try to be a valuable person. And I kept doing that part-time right up until I graduated. 
And then, yeah, for the last couple of years, it's still been a little bit of that. And then, you know, a lot more kind of client facing, you know, advisor type stuff. Um, yeah. And it's, it's been great. Yeah. That's, that's an awesome path that you have. And I just, uh, maybe if you could clarify, like, cause I remember when I was back in my first year, like equity used to be a big word for, uh, yeah, yeah, equity. Yeah. And so maybe if you could talk about like your responsibility as an, as an equity research intern and how this evolved throughout your, uh, your path at Manulife, maybe like walk us through your day to day with, uh, it would be good. It, it- it feels a little, I, I sometimes I hesitate using the title kind of equity research intern because it, it wasn't, um, you know, like I said, we, we have these these models that we use for our clients. We have several different models and several different asset allocations. And each model has, you know, obviously a different risk level. They have different holdings in there, different stocks in there. So, and it, you know, it can add up to, I don't know how many dozens of, of of stocks that we're, you know, actively keeping an eye on uh, for our dis- for our discretionary clients, and um, so he just needed someone to. I mean, I, I'd say the main task was, you know, once a quarter, you got to do a deep dive into their earnings release. Um, give me all the all the important information I would need from that. Just extract any valuable data, and then. You know, so give me all the major quantitative stuff once a quarter, but then also, you know, I, I need uh, I need a brain to do all the qualitative qualitative side of this too. Like we have to know, you know, should this stock be kicked out? Should we, you know, start to more underweight this one, overweight this one? Are there other stocks we should bring into the portfolio? You know, et cetera, et cetera. Because it, it, it was just one guy doing doing all of this on top of all his other you know roles. So. I think for me, my relationship with it was it started out as, you know, these however many different companies are going to have obviously an earnings release once a quarter. And you need to do a really solid kind of one to two page summary of this at at the very, very least. And then you, you know, we'd also do a deep dive pretty much once a quarter too about if any stocks uh, or or any, you know, companies, I should say uh deserve to, to stay in the portfolio or be kicked out or if new ones should be brought in um so at the very beginning it was it was literally just me reading these you know these uh, earnings presentations or or the reports themselves these however many page pdfs and then honestly me just me just going into word and trying to do like a cliff notes thing so very very crude not a um not not a very sexy way of doing it because I, I didn't I didn't know what to do. My only experience of, of it was, you know, FINA four eleven or whatever the whatever the, that class is. And then over over time, you know, you kind of just get the hang of it. Um, but it, it started out very kind of informal and, and casual, I have to say. Nice and kind of learning that's like thing that. Another thing we noticed is that you started studying for your, your CFA, right? Or you intend uh, on doing your CFA? Yeah, well, I did it, did, did not pass. That's that's the, uh, I think I took it, not that it's an excuse. I think I took it when there was like the historical, like historically low passing rate. I think yeah, it was like, I think I remember seeing that. It was like uh, it, 22%, if I remember yeah. correctly. 
Um, so I, I got there like right, I, I was right at the, the minimum passing score. And then I, I realized like, yeah, you didn't, you didn't study enough. And there's a lot more, this was the explanation by the Institute. There's during COVID, there was a lot more test takers. So just naturally the, the, the failure rate went significantly higher. So I, I haven't retaken it just yet. It's, it's on the docket on top of all this other advisor stuff you have to do, uh, like all these different licensing things. And uh, I, I plan on starting the IQPF, you know, very shortly too. So, so it's on the list. The CFA is, uh, is, is kind of a top priority right now. It's so just figuring out the exact time. For those like for those who don't know, is like is the CFA really like a requirement to move up in asset and wealth management and eventually become a PM? Like, is it is it possible to become a PM without having your CFA, or does it does it make it like a hell of a lot easier to move up? It 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 undeniably uh, gives you this uh, legitimacy or this credibility that you might not have otherwise, but definitely not a requirement and. Um, my colleague, Rob, he's not a CFA. He's a CIM certified, uh, investment manager or no chartered investment manager. Um, so you can become a discretionary PM without the CFA. And for my understanding, just having these talks, uh, with people at my, at my firm, I think you can kind of go that route, uh, by either becoming a CFA or a CIM. But the truth is, if you don't want to be a portfolio manager, like a discretionary portfolio manager, um, you can also be, I think, what's called just an investment advisor. And at that point, you would just need to do what's uh, all the IROC uh, requirements. So you guys have probably heard of the CSC, the Canadian Securities Course. Are you? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You, so that's one of the things you have to do to become an IROC advisor. And, and once you're an IROC advisor, you can, uh, you can have clients, you can have your own advisor code, you can have your own book of business. So you don't have to go the CFA route, you don't have to go the CIM route or, or anything like that, but it, um, it, it definitely puts you on a different level to, to say the least. Yeah, I think that's there's there's so many opportunities out there, and I I assume you kind of understood that once you first landed your first internship and landed your first yeah. job because it's it's a lot to take on uh, when you're at school. But I'm I'm sure the journey uh, the journey makes itself uh, when you when you first land the, a first job. So we're we're about to wrap it up here, but just maybe do you have anything you do on on the side? Do you read any books that you recommend? Any podcasts? I know Fireside Chat's your favorite one, but uh, anything else you do as a as sort of a side thing or in, your, um, in, free in the free time? It's it's you know just kind of a lot of hiking and and jogging. Um, it's uh, yeah, I don't know the, these days between my uh, my family still being in the U.S. Um, and, uh, my girlfriend just moving to New York, uh, for, for grad school. It's a lot of dri driving back and forth Yeah, I'm sure. to the U S basically like once a month. Um, so that's, that's been a lot No, just a big, big hiking guy, big, big running guy, big, uh, 
let's go try this new bar or cafe or restaurant type of guy. Um, I'd say on the weekends, I, I try to avoid the news and, and yeah. anything, anything related to, to <laughs> markets because Monday to Friday, it's just that nonstop. Yeah, we, I, I've heard that from so many people in the industry that, you know, when you're off the clock, like you really need to shut off. To, to you got to shut off. Yeah, it's shape sure. the reality a little bit. Yeah, oh, especially yeah. when it's your, it's your full time job and it's all you hear about during the week. I can I can see that for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, anyways, Quinn, we really appreciate you coming on the podcast and, and you know, talking a little bit more about your experience in school and how you ended up at Manulife. You know, we thought you had a had a really interesting path and obviously that's why that's why we brought you on the show and we're happy to hear that you enjoyed your time as as a FISA first year rep so for those yeah who, yeah. Uh, yeah don't forget that we're we're still uh we're still recruiting for FISA rep, first year rep and uh don't forget to send in your your applications yeah I would guys I, I would go do it you're gonna make friends you're gonna have something decent to add to your CV just don't uh don't party too, too much. Keep, keep the study. <laughs> if you do get into FISA, if they pick you, uh, try to keep the grades up. All right. There you go. Thank you so much, Quinn. My pleasure, guys. Great. Take All care. Right. All right. See you. Bye.